Potter Who Cast. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Potter Who Cast, where we talk about every episode of Doctor Who, Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures, K9 Class, and all the various spin-offs in that oeuvre. Um, I'm David. That's me. And with me today is... I'm Michelle, and my constant companion is Def. Um, and I'm Evie. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. I was going to say an off-strength. That's fine. Um, <laughs> off to a great start. <laughs> um, and today we're talking about Series 1, Episode 1 of Doctor Who, Rose. Big episode. Um, but before we begin, um, Evie and also Michelle, because this is our first episode that we're definitely recording first. Um, how did you both get into Doctor Who? I got into... I honestly don't... I couldn't tell you. I do not remember how I got into Doctor Who. I do know that it was around 2011. For some reason, I watched like the first three to four series at, like in my laptop, my shitty old laptop, in, like the darkness of my room, and I just got... I remember getting hooked and um, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of putting myself out there. But, but listen, I'm from Brazil. We didn't have Doctor Who back then. Uh, there was no channel broadcasting Doctor Who. So what I used to do is I used to burn episodes of Doctor Who onto DVDs and pass them along to my friends. Like, you really should watch this show. It's actually really good. And I think Series Six was the first series I watched as it aired. Nice. Um, I. It probably would have been around the same time. Um, it was on Netflix, and I was like, I was probably around eleven or twelve, and I spent way too much time online. So I'd heard of Doctor Who a lot, and just decided to start watching it with this episode. Um, I hadn't seen any classic Who. I didn't have any relationship really to it. I just wanted to see what people were talking about, and then basically watched. Um, the entirety of what existed up to that point in probably a month. Damn. That is amazing in terms of like getting the month. Um, I'm not going to talk about how I got into Doctor Who because there's, Why? A specific, there's a specific episode that's coming up where I want to drop my story. David um, was a mere babe when he was first <laughs> presented with Doctor Who. I am actually um, Adam Mitchell from Dark in the Long Game. I didn't, I didn't want to, didn't want to reveal <laughs> that, but it's it's out there now. Um, no, I, I, I may as well say it. I was. Um, it was the last ten minutes of the Unquiet Dead. Um, as it went out, my mom put it on TV, and she was like, "I used to watch this when I was small. I might as well watch this." And then the Slovene two-parter was the first one I watched fully as it went out, and I've been hooked since. Um, but anyway, before we begin, before I do anything, I want to drop a couple of little facts. And usually this will be a bit shorter, but there's so much context to get through. Just right. This is Rose. Rose. This is Rose. Um, broadcast 26th of March, 2005. Um, the 30th, or is it 25th? 25th or 26th? Um, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, on the 30th of March, 2005, 
BBC released a statement saying Christopher Eggleston will leave Doctor Who at the end of the season. Wow. So, I actually, I did not know it was that fast that he... Um, yeah. not, not even ending there. They had to retract that statement in April because what they did was they said, this is a quote from Christopher Eccleston in the, in the statement. The audience's response to the new Doctor Who has been incredible. I'm really proud to be a part of it. And I hope viewers continue to enjoy the series. Okay. That sounds, that sounds normal, doesn't it? Okay. Sounds fine. Uh -huh. They made that quote up. Oh and, God. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, Eccleston Gauntemson, like you said that I'm leaving because of, uh, conflicts and not want to be typecast in this role and stuff when it was because of other reasons we'll get to now in a second um, written by Russell T Davies and those reasons he left um, partly apparently because of Russell T Davies but also because this is directed by Keith Boak and um, Keith Boak is very famous for a lot of reasons one of them being he apparently is a bit of a not a nice guy um, so Keith Boak directs this and he directs the Slitheen two-parter. So that's the first block of filming for the entire series. And what allegedly happens is that um, he bullies extras. He, this is all allegedly now in case Keith Boak is listening. He bullies extras, apparently. Um, he makes everyone work like completely overtime. And then what apparently seals the deal is that, and this is, this has never been confirmed but apparently at some point during filming, I think it was this episode, there's a, there was a scene where there was an explosion, which I assume is the shopping thing being blown up at the start of the episode. And yeah. a, a couch was, a sofa was launched out of a window at extras, almost took them out completely, almost like knocked them dead, I would assume. And Eccleston apparently just lost his mind. And like went straight for Keith Book and said, like, you're not doing this anymore. I'm sorry. Which is why half this episode is and I'm 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 using allegedly here, but it's kind of more or less official. Half this episode was directed by Euros Lynn, who directed um a lot of stuff. He directed End of the World and Quiet Dead, um, Tooth and Claw, End of Time, Part One and Two. He was like the big mm. main director. Because um I'll, what I know for sure is that the scene where the Doctor and Rose are outside her house, like the one take, and where he's like, like the earth spinning, whatever, they're like, forget me. It's That's Euros Lynn. But they put that down to, um, I think it was, over, like they ran under under something. That's, that's the official line. But I would assume it's more than that. But that's, that's gossip. That's for gossip who cast. Um, <laughs> okay, because I that that felt that scene. I mean, we're gonna talk more about it later on. But that scene, I was like, "Oh wow, this is wow." <laughs> can we cut? Can we cut a little bit? Can we just? <laughs> oh my, it's it's just them walking. You can tell you can tell in that scene that Murray Goat is like, "I gotta make this exciting because it's literally just them walking down the street with, and it's not even who am I to speak, you know? But like they're in the like they're to the left of the frame." The line of the center, it's kind of weird. It felt like a weird shot. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount, I mean, that does come to mind, of like, this doesn't feel like it wants to be a, like, 45-minute episode. Um, and as much as, like, because it is the first Doctor Who story that is a single 45-minute episode, 
then I feel like there's a certain amount of just like padding that has to, yeah, growing pains, exactly. Um, do you know who they wanted to direct this episode first? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright said, no, I'm, wow. making, I'm making Shaun the Dead right now. And also, uh, that's too big of an ask for me. So they got Keith Boak, who's obviously just as good as Edgar Wright. Although I will say, <laughs> I will say that final um, that final set piece with the Autons on the streets of London, I think, is, pretty, is like one of the best action they've ever had in the show. But anyway... As we will almost do every week, it's time to break down this story into its five key points. So, point number one. Rose Tyler lives at home with her mother, Jackie, and at the same estate as her boyfriend, Mickey. She works at this clothes shop, and one night she's attacked by mannequins, um, and, but she is saved by a mysterious stranger called the Doctor, who then blows up the shop. Point two. The next day, the Doctor shows up at her flat, tracing a signal from... The nesting consciousness, which is what attacked Rose, the shop. They're both attacked by this plastic arm that had the signal in it. And afterwards, the doctor explains that living plastic has come to take over the planet Earth. And then he disappears from view. Point three. Rose visits Clive, a conspiracy theorist, with Mickey, who is kidnapped by a plastic bin and replaced by an auton while Clive tells Rose that he thinks the doctor is an alien. Rose and the fake Mickey go for lunch afterwards where the Doctor appears and causes a fake Mickey to attack. The Doctor steals his head and reveals the TARDIS, his time and spaceship, to Rose. Point four. They track the signal to the station beneath the London Eye, where the Doctor tells the nesting consciousness to leave Earth. Discovering he's a vial of anti-plastic that will kill it, the nesting consciousness activates all autons in London. Clive is killed and Jack is caught in the chaos, while Rose and Mickey, who is alive, watch on. And finally, point five. Rose uses her gymnast skills from her youth to kick the anti-plastic into the, into the nesting consciousness, deactivating all the autons. Later, she decides to join the Doctor in his adventures in time and space. That's five key points that I have barreled through there. But um, anyway, that's Doctor Who, Series 1, Episode 1, Rose. What do we think? All right, I'm going to start off by saying, Evie, uh, love you, but... Gotta disagree with you. I thought this episode was very well suited to the 45-minute format. 47-minute format, actually. And I think this episode is like, if you're somebody who's reviving an old franchise for a new audience, you should watch this and you should take notes because people nowadays, whenever they revive these old stories, like I watched a little bit of the new Star Trek shows, and it felt like they either go 8 or 80. They either make it so much for the fans that nobody else understands what's going on or they separated so much from what was originally interesting that it might as well be a whole new show whereas this you know going back to this after watching 13 series of doctor who it's astounding how much this works is like if you like doctor who this hits all the right spots if you've never heard of doctor who literally never heard of the concept of doctor who this also hits all the right spots it's brilliantly written honestly I, I mean I agree. I think um I think the awkwardness that is more to do with it being a BBC production of the mid two thousands, of it just kind of being a much lower um 
production level than what it, even Doctor Who would become later on, what it is now. It's just, it, it's, I think you're right that it, it is both an introduction and a kind of a, a welcoming, like a re-welcoming, welcome you back um, into Doctor Who. Like it, like it did with me. It's just, I had no relationship and in this single episode, I was a Doctor Who fan. Um, I, I, yeah, I want to see if you have it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. So let me get into a little bit more details on why I think this works as an introduction. It's, it's almost like RTD was capable of putting himself in the thought process of someone from 2005, like a modern person who's seen like the prequels to Star Wars, who's seen Star Trek the, new gen- new de- the Next Generation, who's seen modern TV shows like Buffy, like was lost on at this time, something like that. And it's almost like he, he was able to put himself in the mind of that fan and he was like, all right, what are the questions everyone's going to have about this show? Okay, question number one, what's the deal with that blue box? So he answers that. Question number two, you're an alien. Why do you sound like you're from Britain? He answers that. Question number three, it's bigger on the inside. He answers that. Question number four, like, what is the alluring aspect of the doctor? He answers that. He answers all of that. In fact, I think that's the last, that's the last question. The last question is the key to why this episode works so well, because it's not so much that they have to explain to you what the doctor is and what how does the show work. Like, okay, here are the terms you need to know for understanding this show. They also need to explain to you why so many people would follow this one random dude who just shows up does a little does a few quips and then saves the day like why would so many people be into this and that is a really tough thing to sell i think like i think if you watched the 11th hour if you watched any of the openers for any of the other doctors we've had so far you wouldn't have that kind of idea of why people are so interested in doctor who whereas by putting us in the perspective of someone who is literally a normal person like there is nothing in fact the exceptional nature of Rose is that there's nothing exceptional about her. She is an astoundingly normal person in the context of Doctor Who. By putting us in the mind of Rose, RTD can sort of construct this narrative that explains why we, the viewers, would be interested in Doctor Who. You know, we all live humdrum, boring lives, like the Doctor says at the end. We all have, like, food, sleep, work, that's all. But here's this guy who's, like, anywhere, anytime, just, just come along. Give me 45 minutes. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. And that is the perfect pitch for the show. I, I just want to say one thing, um, which is that Clive is really cool. I like Clive. That's my that's my big my big take for this episode is that Clive is the guy. I think that uh, Clive also kind of points um, to what Michelle was saying. Um, Clive is like the old Doctor Who fan to Rose, like watching this series for the first time. He's like, he's kind of strange having gone mad from 16 years of not having any new Doctor Who and is just talking about how great it was. Um, And Rose is discovering uh, through this new guy. that it's really interesting. <laughs> it's also astounding. It's also really smart that Rose isn't completely 
buying into Doctor Who when she first meets Clive. Like, the first thing she says after she meets him is complete nutter. Which, you know, if you were to meet a Doctor Who fan and they were like, all right, is this show about this guy who goes to the blue box? You would just be like, you are insane. This sounds like you are making up a show like Mad Lives, a TV show. But no, it's fun. It actually works. Do you know, Clive, um, this is, well, this is going to get into canon and canon doesn't really matter anymore. Clive, uh, Clive has met two doctors in his, um, in his life. Can I guess uh, which? Yes. Okay. You can I'm going to guess. You can get one guess. I'm going to guess he met. In, well, what do you define by met? Met as in has been in the TARDIS with. Okay. All right. Then I'm going to say. I'm going to say the third doctor and the 11th doctor. Who do you think, Evie? Who, who do you think Klaus in the TARDIS with? In the tar, I don't. Hmm. I don't know. Um, in the twelve doctors of Christmas, which will come up, come up, it will come up again oh. in a couple of episodes. Um, for a different reason. Uh, Clive, as a fourteen-year-old, met the twelfth doctor in Nardo. Um, the doc- doctor brought brought him into the TARDIS on an adventure, and then wiped his mind after it all happened, so he wouldn't know that he was in the TARDIS with with uh the doctor also in the um not the target novelization of rose which came out pretty recently um the novel specifies a bit too much about how he died at the end of the episode in that it makes it pr- pretty clear that the auton that shot him shot him in the head and blew his head off in front of his family while they were um shopping which is probably a bit too much Wow. <laughs> oh god. Why? <laughs> Jesus. It also specifies that he has um pictures of all 13 doctors, which is a bit weird as well. Um It's yeah, in this one it definitely seems like he only knows about the ninth doctor. Yeah. About uh Christopher Eccleston's doctor. I do think when he was talking about it seems like a title that was in, that's passed down from father to grandfather. I was like, okay, they're going to show the first Doctor, but I was surprised. I remember him showing the first Doctor, but they don't. They they actually don't even get into the concept of... I was thinking about that. I was thinking about all the things that they don't talk about in this episode. They don't talk about regeneration. They don't talk about Time Lords. They don't talk about Gallifrey. They don't talk about the Time War. They don't... They pay lip service to it. Like, they kind of reference it, but they don't talk about these things. And it's things that you, like... That you think would be in the pilot for this show. Like, if you were making a pilot for Doctor Who... Wouldn't you go into detail on his planet or the fact that he can gen- re- that he can regenerate? And apparently, RTD was like, "No, no, we can't weird people out that much right now." But what we can do is put in really bad photoshops of Chris Freckleston. God, those photoshops are really bad. <laughs> they were t- they were really bad, but I think <laughs> they also were really effective. I think the slowly zooming out through pictures of him being at the JFK assassination. Um. I don't know. It's really compelling of just being like, especially um, as a new fan of not like knowing that he's an alien guy, but not much else. Just having him be around places is very strange. I did. Uh, I mean, I think the reason why it's so such a weird Photoshop is that he's looking straight at the camera. He is literally like looking right at them. He loves the drama. What can you say? He just loves the drama. <laughs> 
Um, we 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 can we should probably take a minute to talk about Eccleston and Piper, um, partly because I think their chemistry is like so electric, like straight away, and also because Billy Piper, um, is behind one of the best songs of all time, which is because we want to, which I don't know if even if you've heard that song before. It's, uh, I I still <laughs> I still don't understand I still don't understand Billy Piper's history. Like I kind of know she was a pop artist or something, but I don't get it. Like I don't get it at all. Michelle, you need to listen to it because we want to. It's it's just it's it's a bop, as they say. Do you want but, me to listen um, to it now? Um, maybe afterwards. Okay. <laughs> so we don't we don't get struck by copyright. Um, but uh, yeah. So she's coming in, in this off. Stuff like because we want to, and because of and her pop career and stuff. Eccleston has had, um, he's had the second coming with Russell T. Davies. I think at this point he's had, um, is it 28 days later, 28 weeks later? He's in it's days. I wouldn't be able to 20... tell you because it's, I don't... I'm fairly certain it's weeks. <laughs> yes, okay. I haven't seen I... it, but I know he's not in 28 days. <laughs> I haven't seen either. But no, he is in 28 days. He's the you're right, I'm wrong. I've um, corrected myself. He's <laughs> but he comes in he's coming in off that, he's coming in off second coming, and he's coming in off a lot of other stuff. And like imme- like immediately, even though you can tell well you can't tell, but you know that he's like having an absolutely miserable time. Like the commitment he gives to the role and like the way he just pops straight away is like so impressive. Uh absolutely. He's um just magnetic. I was I was thinking a lot of doctors, you know, when you go back to their first episodes, you can tell they're not a hundred percent there. Uh some a little bit, some a lot. Like you can tell Capaldi maybe the writing changed at some point, but he the character he premiered in the first episode of series eight is not the character that went away in the last episodes of series ten. And to a certain degree you can even say the same for like Tennant and Smith and Whitaker. But Eccleston, holy smokes, Eccleston shows up and literally like from the first line, you're like, oh, he knows he knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows everything. There's there's so many little moments that, that are like it's the kind of stuff you expect from like a doctor's third season, not their first episode of their first season, the first and only season stuff like the champagne or stuff like him talking <laughs> <laughs> him making jokes about like it's not a price war <laughs> and then it's like yeah they just want to wipe out your entire race and take over the earth it's i hold capaldi in a very near place to my heart but man oh my eccleston is my doctor through and through like that is it is amazing he's just doing amazing work here absolutely i think he is he shows um he's just shows such uh, a range um of its curiosity of like a weird like person playing with an anthill kind of interest in humanity um and like the brief flash of pain when he's talking about the time war um but it's all just kind of wrapped up in him being a weirdo that you don't like, you don't question the fact that Rose would 100% go on a weird adventure with this man. She met uh, the day before. Mm-hmm. 
can we um also talk about i think we kind of have to um the whole plastic mickey situation because okay that make- yeah that makeup is- <laughs> that you know what is- <laughs> i actually found myself much more endearing to plastic mickey this time around than i did the first time i watched it the first time i watched it i was like what is this but now i was like oh i get it pizza i get it pizza the weird <laughs> the cut the like the babe sugar babe sugar like the fact Sweetheart. that it's like yes it's like cutting between different angles of him saying it it's i don't know if it's good but it's it, <laughs> it's compelling at the very least i, I, I want to watch more of what's happening i can tell you without a doubt it is not good like if i by <laughs> By objective determination of quality, it is not good. That be that being said, you know, I feel like you wouldn't be Doctor Who with at least one out of place campy element. I I can't help but think like you know, I can't help but think that RTD was doing this episode and it was like this is too serious. Can we put <laughs> can we get the guy to do a stupid <laughs> voice or pretend to be made of plastic? Ah, uh, there we go. Now this is Doctor Who. And also the fact that, like, his hands turn into big clubs and he's running around like a he's, restaurant. Yeah, like they, he's Clayface. They turn into big uh, yeah. spatulas. That's what they do. They're like big-ass uh, spatulas. Going back to the novel, because um, uh, I, I haven't read the novel, but I was reading through the TARDIS wiki page on what well, changes from the, the episode. Um, apparently he cut some guy's head off in like vivid detail with those hands while he's inside in the restaurant, which is just I want to know why why Russell had to had to make all these like incredibly grisly. I I things. as you said those words, I have literally just clicked the buy button, so <laughs> to get my copy of the novelization. <laughs> so um, I think that was the best. That was the best selling point right there. <laughs> <laughs> Clive gets shot in the head and Mickey kills someone in front of their family. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or will we play a little game? Or do you want to talk, is there any other points you want to make? I do want to... I also think the opening of this episode is, you know, probably the best demonstration as to why Marie Gold was such a good fit for Doctor Who. You know, there's some episodes coming up, particularly... The long game where he just goes like buck wild with the music. You can tell Mario was like, "All right, what do you want?" <laughs> but this one, but this one is like that opening music that that's Doctor Who to me. That actually is more connected in my head to Doctor Who than the Doctor Who theme. It just feels like such a and it excellent and it scores that great sequence which highlights how you know we've all been complicit with just living life on autopilot you know mm-hmm. and this is a point i'm gonna make in the future i'm already seeing the future like in the episode about the empty child i'm gonna make this point but <laughs> um the doctor is the doctor is a character he's supposed to represent an agent of change and he's supposed to represent somebody who highlights the excellency within humans and that's that to me is how the that to me is when the doctor works the best 
when he's going to normal humans lives and he's going like don't you see how amazing you are he's bringing out the actual heroism and greatness within day-to-day humans and this series does a lot of that you know we got rose here but we also got harriet jones in the aliens of london two-parter we also got uh the teen mom for empty child it's all about like these random people who the doctor just shows up for the end of their lives and completely changes the path they were taking and i think if i have to give an award for best line of the episode it has to be right at the end when rose says to mickey thanks and mickey says thanks for what and she says exactly which is in that line you don't need like a long ass line justifying why she's gonna go with the doctor like oh it's a venture it's a time machine i can't wait that right there you know why she's going to doctor she's going to doctor because a doctor is how he is giving her a way to live life as supposed to be lived not on autopilot not one day at a time but as an adventure absolutely um and i think that is the reason why it works so well as the first episode back is it's showing the doctor like that that it's saying you like why shouldn't life be more adventurous and it definitely got me to uh want to you know watch a bunch of more uh doctor who at the very least i don't know if that really makes my life more adventurous but it definitely made me watch oh, it <laughs> but at least it opens up your mind a little bit you know lets you experience things that you wouldn't normally experience in life and maybe one of those stories is actually gonna inspire you to this inspire you to do something big uh i think i think it's very interesting how in this episode rose constantly highlights the need for a job how her mom her, how her mom is always like you gotta get a job you need money like she, she rose literally survived an explosion and she was like, well, but you, you need to get money somehow. And Rose is always bringing up how, I'm going to guess A-levels are like the SATs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, she's constantly yeah. bringing up how she doesn't have all these like hallmarks of a productive life according to modern-day society. She doesn't have the A-levels. She doesn't have a job. She's just a random 19-year-old. Like, sure, she's not 19. Okay, whatever. All right, sure. Uh, she's just a random woman trying to get by according to the way society says says her life should be and she's not fitting in which in turn makes her the perfect companion for the doctor hmm. so will we as they say okay i'm gonna go with the script the script's really weird um as they say in saw shall we play a game <laughs> Uh, sure. Are you gonna kill us? Uh, I... yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm I'm the author of Kill Clive, so I have to keep my my uh, kill is that the kill KD ratio in Call of Duty. No, who knows what I'm talking about? Um, <laughs> this is called the Doctor Who Wiki Game. So the rules is basically every week, um, one of us will go onto the Doctor Who Wiki, which is ridiculously in-depth and robust and find a real-life person, place, or thing and everyone else has a guess while it is we're describing based on the clues from the Doctor Who wiki. So this week I've picked out a real-life person, an actor who has never been on Doctor Who. Okay. But they're from a similar TV show 
there's only two clues from this one. There is a very, very um, small page. They're an actor from a similar TV show. And the fifth doctor felt that once this actor left this t- uh, their TV show, it was never as good. So who who am I talking about? Oh my god! Um, I can give hmm. I can give three clues. Please do. Okay, so this actor has been on multiple TV shows and has been in movies. He... Most actors have. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mr. Dictionary. Um, he is best known for the role that Do- the Fifth Doctor was talking about in that clue. Um, and his late the latest thing I can think that he was in involved witches and came out last year. But it isn't it isn't the witches. It was just about ah, oh, damn it! I was about to say Stanley Tucci, <laughs> but I couldn't think of a I couldn't think of a show he was in. Involved witches. Yeah, his name is alliterative as well. This is not happening at helping well, his, at all. His, can his, I get can I get a time a time a decade um, for the show it, he was in? Nineties. That actually doesn't help at all, too. Um, uh, it was it was very. Hmm. I, I would say it was probably an inspiration for a show we will cover on this that isn't Doctor Who. Torchwood. Hmm. It was probably an inspiration for that um, the show this this actor was on. Part he was part of a, a very famous double act. Oh oh show. oh! Is it David Duchovny? It is David Duchovny. Oh my god! Why did I think of that? Oh, that's so obvious. <laughs> I, I confirms uh, Mulderstan. I agree with I agree with him. <laughs> X Files is not as good after David Duchovny left. But also, the Fifth Doctor watched the X Files. <laughs> Out of all the doctors to watch the X Files, wait! Now I want to write an episode of the X Files where they meet the Doctor. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Why the fifth? I'm sorry. I've got a harp on this. Why the fifth Doctor? Why him? <laughs> Why would he watch X Files? Like, <laughs> it's like. Well, well which Doctor would you think is most likely to watch the X Files? Like ten, maybe. Ten or hmm. uh, McGann. McGann. I was I was saying McGann. By virtue of them being around the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say ten or I would say seven. Seven thinks probably thinks it's very funny. Seven probably is like, oh, this show is hilarious. That's a really bad uh, Sylvester McCoy impression, but it will get better in the future. <laughs> I promise you all. Uh, it'll get better when we eventually cover Classic Who in like oh, in 2031. 50, 59 years from now when we're <laughs> we're all uh yeah. Um Okay. Um so I suppose that's probably it. Um Michelle and Evie, where can people find you online if you want them to find you online? Wait, wait, that's the end of the episode? Well, unless you want to talk about more about Clive getting shot in the head in front of his family, I don't. I don't <laughs> no, know. wow! I, I'm just, I'm just kind of surprised. That was kind of fast. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. You know what? You're right. Why? I'm, why? I'm, why? I'm, yeah. I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. So why extend? No, no, no. You actually, you're absolutely right. Why make something longer than it has to be? You know. 
I don't want to be also I don't want these to be long, longer than the episodes that they're talking about. Smart, smart. <laughs> they feel like <laughs> no one's gonna listen to an, like an hour and a half on the long game or um smart. I just want to say I I opened up the X Files article on the TARDIS Wiki and I clicked yeah. on the random Torchwood episode and I'm just watching a picture of Captain Jack with his arms spread wide, basically going like come at me for like a giant CGI demon monster, and I cannot oh. wait. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love that episode, I think. Written by um, Chris Chibnall. Ooh, chip me up. Chip Chibnall, me up, Chris. Chibnall's work on Torchwood's pretty good actually. Um a lot of weird stuff on Torchwood. Which we'll get to in maybe two months, three months from now. Not soon. Two years. Think. Uh no, it's pretty soon. It's um Oh yeah, you're right. It's after it's series after series two, yeah. And oh. yeah, it's like it's like it's like I think it's like four episodes of Torchwood, then either Sarah Jane Pilot or um Runaway Bride, and then it's like the rest of Torchwood, and then it's series three, and then it's Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood series two. So it gets now I'm actually <laughs> Man, now I'm actually thinking about like what would happen if <laughs> if Mulder and Scully met the doctor. Like I'm pretty sure I think I'm it depends sure. on which which series it's happening in? Well, let's say classic, like series. Well, oh, I you mean, mean like I Doctor mean, Who? Like, oh. Yeah, if it's if it's Doc, if it's the Doctor meeting Mulder and Scully in a Doctor Who episode, or if it's Mulder and Scully meeting the Doctor in an X Files episode, I feel like they're very different. It, it creates very different environments. If depending, actually, that would have been. A, can you imagine that if they were like, okay, we're gonna have Doctor Who cross over the X Files. If you want to see the Doctor Who perspective of this, watch <laughs> Doctor Who. If you want to see the X Files perspective of this. Watch the X Files, and in Doctor Who, it's all brightly lit, and there's Murray Gold music over it. And meanwhile, the X Files, it's all dark, and like the TARDIS looks like it came out of hell or something. I will say, I will say, it could have happened because after the TV movie, um, I think Sp- it was Amblin. I think Spielberg was right. really a big part of it. Wanted to bring a complete reboot where the Doctor and the Master were like brothers. And the doctor's Good lord. Dad, doctor's dad was a intergalactic explorer, and <laughs> who his, who had abandoned him at a young age. Is yeah, and um, <laughs> the the Daleks were now the robot spiders, and the Cybermen were the Cybermen. Okay, were pi- were robot pirates <laughs> called Cybes who went from <laughs> planet to planet, plundering um, plundering the planets and getting new recruits. Um, it sounded terrible, <sighs> and it got it got pretty much thrown away pretty quickly but it, it could have happened it could have happened. look i'm i'm always uh i'm always big proponent of like who cares about what happened before if you want to do something new with something do it even though i said at the beginning that sometimes when you do something so new it might as well have a different name that being said what the fuck is that <laughs> like <laughs> what a weird i mean the master and the doctor are brothers that's that legitimately seems like a fanfic thing you know well, there was going to be in the in Classico, which might, we might get that one day, um, when the Master is introduced with the Third Doctor, and the final episode of the Third Doctor is going to be the revelation that the Master and the Doctor were two parts of the same personality, um, and that they were <laughs> like they were just like the dark half and the light half. But Roger Delgado played the Master died in the car crash before they could How? find any. I'm sorry. How can any Doctor Who who Doctor Who fan be angry about the timeless children when we had this before? This show is literally built off insane 
illogical plot twists. Like, I, you want me to get angry about the timeless child? Like, I don't give a shit. The masters are right there. What's his timeline? What is it? How, how does <laughs> nothing make sense? I'm sorry. This, <laughs> this, this show is just, I think, like, to go back to Rose, maybe this is one thing I think this, this episode did really well, which is to kind of make it clear to everyone else that, like, this show is kind of silly, you know? Mm-hmm. This show is weird, and it's kind of weird, and it's kind of dumb like that. And look, you're not going to have a good time if you're going to be wondering about, like, how does a ship disappear? How does it do that? How does it do that? Like, just go with it. Just grab Christopher Eccleston's head and go with it. Okay, so going back to the other point, where can people find... <laughs> where can no, people can, find you, can, you, can you re... <laughs> Can you re, re say goodbye? Re- yeah, I will. I will. But I'm keeping all that stuff in because I want. I want to keep the little uh, spider Dalek side master. Uh, we should do an episode uh, just about that. We should. <laughs> the doc- Doctor Who via John Peters. <laughs> John Peters. Oh, you know what? A part of me actually would. A part of me actually would want to see what happened if the Fox movie was a success. You know. Just like a part of me always, I always wonders. Like, I told Dave, I told David this, but we should totally do this in the future. We should have an episode where our job is to recast the new Who doctors, but we can't be like, it, it has to be people from the day, from the years they were cast. So we can't take an actor from like 2012 and put him as nine. It has to be an, like if we were making those choices back then, who would we pick? And I just, I'm just fascinated by that because this is a show that relies so much on casting. You know, this, this more than ever. This more than any other show maybe out there. It's all about casting. Like, literally, eras of the show are defined by who the main actor is. So to have that kind of responsibility must be really, really terrifying. You know what I want to talk about? Um, I want to talk about what would happen if that David Yates uh, Doctor Who movie with Johnny Depp got made in 2012. Oh, boy. Do you want to save that for later, or do you want to... Oh, we'll talk about that in uh, series... It was about series six is when that happened, so in 12 years' time, when we get to those episodes, we can talk about that. But anyway, um, Michelle, Evie, where can people find you online? Uh, so, if you, so if you like hearing me talk about TV shows, I also host a podcast called... Full Metal Analysts, it's an episode-by-episode episode recap of the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood anime. Uh, it's very interesting. It's very fun. If you've never seen the show, I do recommend you use this as a watch-along guide. But if you have seen the show, hey, why not? Maybe it's time for a rewatch. Other than that, you can find me on Twitter at Michelle Deshaun. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I-C-H-A-N, as in Navy, D. And uh, tweet at me about how I'm wrong about this episode. I will ignore you, but you can you can do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm at left Evie, L-E-F-T-E-V-I-E on Twitter. Um, and that's basically the only online presence I have because I'm a weirdo who doesn't use social media. You're doing it right, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can get me at at F-E-W-B-A-T. And you can also find us on Twitter at Potter Whocast. That's, that's the name of the show with an at in front of it. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. 
and please leave a review um, and also tell us if you want Michelle to give a live reading of the scene in the Rose novelization where Clive gets murked in front of his that book is on its way. That, uh, you guys think I'm joking, but I actually bought that book. You think I'm joking? I actually did. I did just buy that book, and it's literally gonna be here in 15 business days. You're you're laughing at me. You're looking at me like I'm joking. This is not a joke. I could actually print out the email of me buying this book. At what point did Russell T Davies become Frank Miller? <laughs> oh. But anyway, next time on Potter Who Cast. Britney Spears, Spiders, and Talking Trees. Thank you for listening, and always remember, it also travels in time. What do you want to sound on now? Because you want to. Because you want to. Because you want to. Because you want to. Because he wants to. Because he wants to.